Well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look in Matthew chapter 20. Uh, I found a, a story, a couple of stories actually, by a guy named Jerry Smead uh, shared some of these stories. And I want to share one of these with you right now. And I, I tried to verify the, the accuracy of it. And no one can say whether it was false. They don't know if it's true or false. But anyway, it's a great story. So um, you ever heard of Fiorello LaGuardia? He was the mayor of New York City. He's what LaGuardia Airport's named after. But they tell this story about him when he was the mayor he was the mayor of New York during the worst days of the Great Depression and all through World War II. And um, people called him the little flower. They loved him as mayor because he was only five foot four and he always wore a flower in his lapel, you know, trying to look sharp. And so he's this little guy, but he was a really colorful mayor. And he used to ride on the fire trucks and the parades. Uh, he would actually, when they raided speakeasies, he would go with the cops to raid them. Uh, when the newspapers went on strike, he would come on the radio on Sunday and read the comics to all the kids in New York. Uh, just to help out. So he was just a really cool guy. Um, he would take entire orphanages to see Yankees games. And this is just the kind of guy that he was. And so in 1935, he showed up at night court and he sent the judge home and said, I'm going to take court tonight. And so he actually became the judge in the courtroom. I don't know how legal that was, but it happened. Um, but a few minutes later, this old woman came in and she was charged with stealing a loaf of bread. And uh, she told her that her daughter's husband had deserted her. Her daughter was sick and her two grandchildren were starving. So she stole this bread from a shop and a shopkeeper. Uh, he wouldn't he wouldn't drop the charges. And he said, you know, we're in a real bad neighborhood. She's got to be punished to teach other people around here a lesson. And the mayor sighed. He turned to a woman and said, I've got to punish you. The law makes no exceptions. Uh, ten dollars or ten days in jail. But even as he pronounced the sentence, he was already reaching into his pocket. He took $10 out of his pocket and threw it into his hat and said, here's a $10 fine for the lady. I'm going to pay this for her. And furthermore, I'm going to find everybody in the courtroom 50 cents uh, because we've made this town so bad that a person has to steal bread so their grandkids can eat. So he gave his hat to the bailiff with the $10 and it passed the hat around and made everybody in court pay 50 cents, including the shopkeeper that got robbed. And so the following day, the newspaper said that $47.50 was collected and turned over to that old lady who stole the bread to feed her grandkids. Um, and some other 70 criminals who were in court getting ready to get judged all gave the, the judge a standing ovation, the mayor a standing ovation. So what would you call that? That's grace, isn't it? Even though the woman deserved to be punished, he paid her debt, but then he took care of her on top of that. And so in the parable we're going to read today out of the book of Matthew, Jesus tells kind of a similar story, and it's all about grace. And what's funny is when Melissa made this lineup, she didn't know that I was preaching on this passage, but it all fits together because today is all about grace. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 20, starting verse 1, and I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation because uh, it actually kind of translates the dollar amounts for us. And so it's going to be on the screen as well, but Matthew chapter 20. Now, real quick, did Jesus like to mess with the religious leaders a little bit? Yeah, just a little bit. Jesus totally turns them on their head today in this passage we're going to read. He irritates everybody in this story. It's great. I love it. Matthew chapter 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. The normal daily wage was the denarius was the coin that was used. This is what a Roman centurion, a Roman officer... A Roman uh, military person would earn in one day. 
So this was actually a pretty fair wage. Um, this is what a normal person would earn in one day. So he said, I'll pay you the normal daily wage to come work in my vineyard for a day. So he went out at six o'clock early one morning. It was six o'clock to hire these guys. Then at nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace, which was the town square. And he saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard at noon. And again, at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. He said, why haven't you been working today? They said, well, because no one hired us. So the landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, so it would have been at six o'clock, he called the workers in to pay them. Beginning with those who were hired what? Last. Now, would it have been smarter to pay the first guys first, you think? But he started with the guys that had worked for a total of an hour, right? So he paid them. So beginning with the last workers first, when those hired at five o'clock were paid, each of them received a full day's wage for working how long? An hour, right? When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only an hour, and yet you paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. He answered one of them, friends, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay the last workers the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my own money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who were last now will be first then, and those who were first will be last. So Jesus, we pray this morning you'd help us to understand the depth and the width of your grace. Lord, that you would help us to realize how good and how gracious you are. And I pray you would anoint your word, you would speak to us, you would apply it to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at a couple of things here in this story. Just some observations from the parable. Just before, we want to lay a little bit of groundwork. So the landowner went out into the square. So this was the city, the city square. <laughs> this is where you would go to transact business. If you were going to buy land from somebody, you would do it here. This is where kind of the leaders of the city would sit. Uh, so he went out kind of into the marketplace, kind of in a downtown, I guess you could say. And he, this is where people who didn't have anything to do would go and hope someone would hire them. So he goes out and he agreed to pay these guys a what? A fair daily wage. He was paying what was fair. He said, you come work for 12 hours in the vineyard today and I will pay you what's right, what's fair. He, I will pay you a denarius. So they agreed to do that. So he agreed to pay a wage that was fair. Now, do you think he could have paid them less than a fair daily wage and they would have still worked? Probably because they were standing around doing nothing, right? So anything is better than nothing. So he could have taken advantage of them, but he didn't. He offered to pay what was fair. So we know that this guy is... Even at the beginning, we know that he's a pretty, pretty generous guy, pretty fair guy. Um, I know when I was a kid, I would go down in the summer. As soon as I was big enough to pick up a watermelon, I would go work at my grandparents' watermelon farm. And they were known as a pretty fair people. They would pay us $5 an hour. And that was back in 1993, probably, 94. That was pretty good money back in the day. And uh, so they would, my grandpa loved to get the rough guys and bring them in. And they would mess with him throughout the day. You know, they were kind of jokers. But uh, there was one guy I remember in particular. He was skinny. He was a druggie. I mean, we all knew that. 
But my grandpa would hire him, so he would have something to do and physical. But the whole day, the guy was just, he would hear a siren on the highway, and he would, like, dive into the trailer, you know. And so we knew there was something wrong. And so just throughout the day, they say, hey, cops are coming. What? And he would jump in. And, but, but he did that because he wanted to, to kind of show the guy what it was like to be around Christians. Um, wasn't always the best example, but he wanted to be generous with the guy. He could have paid him a whole lot less. But he still did it. And so that's what these guys did. He said, you know, come work for me. You got nothing else to do. And I'll pay you what's fair. All right. So he agreed to pay them a fair daily wage. Remember that word fair. Then, but the landowner, he wasn't content with the laborers he had. What did he keep doing? He kept going out and finding more people. Come, come work. So obviously we know that he went in there and he probably hired whoever was standing around early in the morning. The early risers who were eager. They didn't go out and find those who slept a little later. And he just kept going and finding people and bringing them into the vineyard. He wasn't content. He wanted to share that grace with others. He wanted to share his generosity with others. Do you think he knew in his head what he was going to do at the end of the day? Probably. He knew he was going to pay them all the same. But he kept going out because he wanted to share the what? The grace with those people. He actively looked for people to hire. This is where you conducted business. And the workers collected their wages at the end of the day. You're saying, well, yeah, obviously. Why is that significant? Well, the law, the Old Testament law stated when you hired people to work in your vineyard, when did you pay them? Each day. Because they were poor and they needed that money to go buy food for their family. They didn't do like we do nowadays where you go to the grocery store and you buy a week's worth of food. You would go every day and get what you needed for that day. So he stipulated that they would pay them at the end of the day. So that shows that these people were what? They were poor. He was hiring poor people to go work in his vineyard. People that needed the money because he was what? He was gracious. He wanted to do that. So these guys had nothing else to do. Okay, come. It's five o'clock. Why haven't you worked? Well, nobody hired us. Well, get out there and work. So he hired these guys. So this is kind of the groundwork for the story that Jesus laid. And so everybody's trying to think, okay, yeah, this makes sense, right? But here's what we have to understand. And this is what the whole point of the story is. Grace isn't always what? Fair. Grace isn't always fair. How many of you, when you met Jesus, when you started a relationship with Jesus, how many of you had everything together? Maybe a couple of you felt like you were pretty well, right? Most of us were a mess, right? Most of us didn't have everything together. And Jesus gave us grace Anyway, even though it wasn't fair, I deserved all kinds of punishment for the stuff I had done before I met Jesus. And I really wasn't that bad a person, but I'd broken the law over and over God's law over. I'd broken man's law a few times, too. I had a lead foot. But we all deserve punishment, but Jesus gave us all what? Grace. So just like the landowner going out to share that grace, what did Jesus call us to do? To go out into all the world and make disciples, finding people who don't deserve grace and bring them in. So grace isn't fair. So the landowner never claimed that the pay would be what? Fair. Now, you're saying, wait a minute. He offered to pay them a fair day's wage, correct? But he never said he was going to pay fairly. He said, I will pay you. The first guys came out. He said, I'm going to pay you a fair day's wage. Everybody else, he just said, I'll pay you what's right. I'll pay you what's right at the end of the day. So these guys that work for an hour probably 
figured they'd get what? An hour's worth of work. An hour's worth of pay. But he didn't. He paid them everything. So he never said everything was going to be fair. He just said, I will pay you what's right. He didn't stipulate. And so if I was a landowner and I was trying to make peace, I would have probably paid the first guys first. Then they wouldn't realize what everybody else got paid. But he was trying to make a point. He's making a point. Jesus was making a point that grace isn't fair. None of us got what we deserve from the Lord. Even, and here's what we need to understand. Even when things in our lives go poorly, even when we suffer hardships, we're still not getting what we deserve. We're still getting grace because we deserve much worse. And Jesus never told us life would be what? Fair or easy. So even when hardships come, I still need to thank Jesus for his grace because he's still with me in the midst of those hardships. Because life's going to be hard no matter what, because we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where people make horrible choices. We live in a world where things happen, things break. So the landowner, the landowner, that's a hard word to say, landowner never said that the fair, the pay would be fair. He just said, I'll pay you what's right. So he was super gracious. He chose to be generous with all the workers, not just the first ones in the field. So what we need to understand is Jesus chooses to be gracious with who? Everyone. That's the story he was trying to lay out here. He said, I'm gracious with everyone because I love everyone. He says, God so loved what? (laughs) The world. He didn't just say God so loved the Jewish people or God so loved the Gentiles or God so loved the Americans or God so loved. He said he loved the world that he gave his son. So he's saying, I am generous with everyone. And then he throws this in. He says, the last would be first and the first would be last in verse 16. And then in chapter 19, verse 30, he says, those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. So here's what Jesus is doing. He's irritating everybody because <laughs> he says he's going to pay those who worked an hour the same wage as those who worked all day. But he's also he's going to flip stuff around. And who was listening when Jesus told this story? Religious leaders who were what? They were the first. They said, you guys that think you're something someday will be last. And those who are the servants are going to be the first because my kingdom's upside down. So those of us who come from families who may be a little rough, maybe didn't have everything together. God loves us. Those of you who have stuff together, who came from great families, God loves you. He loves all of us. And he shares that grace with everyone. So, so here's the deal. He chose to pay everyone the same, no matter how long they worked, because he was gracious. But here's the thing we need to remember. The blessing isn't necessarily just the pay. What was the landowner doing for these guys who were standing around loafing in the, the town square? He was giving them a little bit something to do. A little bit of purpose. So the blessing isn't necessarily just the pay. They had something to do all day. They had a purpose. The guys that he hired later on in the day, he was giving them the same thing, that purpose. So 
here's the deal. Even though we're all going to get to go to heaven someday because of Jesus, even the thief on the cross who said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, what? Today you'll be with me in paradise. Even though he lived a horrible life up to that point and made some terrible decisions to get him crucified, he still got to go to heaven just the same as the disciples who've been following Jesus the whole time. So the pay heaven is not necessarily just the only blessing. The other blessing is what? Getting to live in relationship with Jesus all day. All of our lives. So even though everyone gets the same grace, everyone gets the same reward for being in heaven, we're gets the same trip to heaven at the end. Those of us who follow Jesus now get the incredible blessing of what? Following Jesus now. Because I can tell you from my own experience, my life after knowing Christ has been way better than it was before. Because now I have what? I have hope. I have purpose. I have God's presence in my life. And so I know even talking with some of you guys to say, you know, after I've met Jesus, man, I've had this incredible peace. It's amazing. I've had purpose. I know what to do. So. And so that grace that Jesus gives. Is amazing. Luke chapter 15 verses 31 or verse 31. um, Jesus tells a story in Luke 15 about the prodigal son. And so he tells this story about this man who had two sons and he owned a farm and all this land. And so the one son came and said, hey, I want my inheritance now. I want you to give me what you would give me when I'm when you're dead. I want it now. So the farmer did. He sold some land, got money together, gave it to the kid. And the kid went off and lived this incredibly wild life in the city, did whatever he wanted, acted like the father was dead. Well, then he runs out of money. All his friends disappear. He ends up working for a farmer, feeding pigs, which is a bad deal if you're a Jewish person. Um, and he said he was so hungry, he wanted to eat the slop the pigs were eating. And then he comes to his senses and he says, I should go back and, and become my dad's servant because even his servants live better than I am right now. So if you remember the story, he goes back and his father celebrates his dad said, man, my son's come back. I thought he was dead. Now he's alive. And he throws a big party. And his older brother rejoiced, right? <laughs> no. The other brother got mad. He said, I've been here this whole time and you never threw me a party. Wah. You hear it? But he said, I've been, I've been working and doing everything for you. And you never threw a party like this for me. Now, he goes and wastes your inheritance. And he comes back and you celebrate. Listen to what the father told him. In verse 31, my my son, the father said, you're always with me and everything that I have is yours. We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. So those of us sometimes that have been following Jesus for a while, sometimes we say, well, that person doesn't deserve grace. That person lived their whole life and, and they did all kinds of terrible things and And now, you know, I've been here. What do I get? He said, everything I have is yours. So we get this incredible presence of God in our lives. We get to live in him. We get to be used by him to do things to see other people's lives changed. So we have to understand that sometimes grace goes the extra mile. Sometimes God asks us to go an extra mile to reach other people. We have this incredible grace in our lives. We get the opportunity to share it. There's a great story. I don't know if you've ever heard of Larry Burkett. He was a financial teacher 
Uh, I think it's called Crown Financial Ministries now. But he wrote a book called Business by the Book, and he tells this really cool story I'm going to share. Um, Early in his career, when he was a new guy doing this Christian financial thing, um, he was renting an office in a building, and this building was a nightmare. There was always something broke. Um, Things were always bad. Uh, The foundation had been built properly, and it literally was sinking. Like the building was sinking into the ground several inches every year, so it just wreaked havoc with everything. Uh, so after about three years, there were power failures. Uh, he didn't have water for a couple weeks. He finally said, I've had enough. And he moved out to another location. Well, two months after he left, he gets a call from his former landlord. And he told him he needed to come back and repaint the entire office and, and update it uh, because he hadn't held up his end of the contract. Well, Burkett said, well, I've been more than fair with you. I've paid the rent. I've put up with all kinds of stuff. Um, and so he even went to a lawyer and said, look, here's my contract. Have I done everything I, I needed to? And he said, yeah, this guy doesn't have a leg to stand on. So Burkett was going to say, you know what? I don't have to do this. I'm done. I've done everything I need to. But just as he was about to make the phone call, a son came up and said, dad, you remember what all this guy's gone through, this landlord? And he said, well, he said, he just lost his wife. He's been going through a really rough patch. This is an opportunity for you to minister to this guy. And so Burkett said, ouch. Right. And so he went ahead and did it. He spent about $3,000 remodeling this rundown office to do what? To show grace to this guy. He said, even though I didn't have to do this, even though I've done everything I had to, I'm going to go the extra mile to show you how much Jesus loves you. And you know, sometimes in our lives, we have to go that extra mile for people. Sometimes God asks us to reach out to those who are lost. To those who don't know him. Sometimes God is going to put a person in your life that will stretch you to no end. (laughs) Anybody have anybody like that? Sometimes God's going to put people in your life that irritate you all the time. Why? Because he wants us to take that grace that we've received and show it to these others. He wants us to show that grace is for who? Everyone. So when this landowner brought all these people in and kept going out and going out, What do you think the guys that started earlier in the day are thinking? Lazy bums. Look at my calluses from all these grapes. Look, I'm stained from all the grape juice. Look at, you know, what do you think you're doing? What are you going to get out of this? You're, You're here for an hour, you know. You barely showed up. But he says he wants us to go the extra mile to show that grace, to show that grace is for everyone. So here's the main point. This whole parable that Jesus is sharing We don't get to choose who receives grace. That's not our job. We don't get to pick who receives grace. Now, sometimes we feel like, and we would never say this out loud, but we feel like certain people don't deserve grace. Would that be a fair statement? So those of you who are alive, remember 9-11. What did we think about the Taliban? What do we think about Islamic terrorists? Every red-blooded American who could pick up a gun went down and signed up for the military, <laughs> right? I kid you not. I know guys who keep ammo in their, in their house, dipped in pig blood, just to shoot a terrorist. They said, this is for a terrorist. As soon as I find one, I'm going to shoot him with this, just to add insult to injury. We were angry, weren't we? And rightfully so. But did we feel those people deserve grace? No. We were angry. 
We were ready to, to go kill them all, right? But what did Jesus think about those people? He wanted to show them grace. And that's tough. It's tough for us. So there are certain people that we feel like don't deserve grace, but you know what? That's not our job. Because how many of us deserve grace? None of us. None of us were good enough to deserve grace. So grace isn't earned, it's, it's received. And so Jesus sometimes will put us in a situation where we have to go the extra mile to show grace to someone. And that is what Jesus was showing in this story. Those who come late to the party still get to go to the party. He even tells an entire story in the Old Testament about it. There's a little bitty book in the Old Testament called Jonah. And it's all about this prophet. And God says, I want you to go to the Ninevites to tell them that they need to repent for what they're doing. Because Ninevites were awful. I mean, they were awful with a capital A, awful. I mean, these people were horrendous. If you watch a VeggieTales story, they slapped each other with fish. That's not what they did in real life, okay? These people would go into countries and they would kill everybody. They would open up pregnant women and pull the baby out and throw it on the ground. I mean, they were awful people. And he said, Jonah, I want you to go and preach to them and tell them they need to repent. And Jonah promptly got in a boat and went the other direction. Because he wanted nothing to do with it. Why? Because he said, they don't deserve grace. You should destroy that nation. You know, do a whole Sodom and Gomorrah thing again. Just wipe them out. And so through this whole story, it's great. But God gets Jonah's attention. He sends him back to them. And finally, Jonah relents. And he goes in. And he said, it was such a big city, it took more than a day to walk from one end to the other. Jonah goes into the city and he preaches to them. And then he goes up and sits on a hill to wait for the fire to come from heaven to destroy the city. And guess what? It never came because the people repented. They realized what they're doing was wrong and they asked God to forgive them. And God relented. Jonah was waiting for a fireball to come down. And in chapter four, verses one through three, God didn't do it. And it said this, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah. Understatement. And he became very angry. So he proclaimed, he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew. Listen to this. I knew that you are merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. That's in the Bible. Jonah was mad that God didn't smoke the Ninevites. He said, I knew you would do this. That's why I didn't want to go. I knew that you would give them mercy. Why don't you just kill me and save me the hassle? He didn't think that they were worthy of grace. But Jesus loves to show grace to sinners. Jesus absolutely loves showing grace to people who don't deserve it. And that's why he tells this story about this landowner who's gracious to everybody, even those who didn't deserve it. That's our job. He wants us to go out and show that grace to others. One of my very favorite stories of Jesus is Matthew chapter 9, verses 10 through 12. Jesus goes and calls Matthew to follow him. And Matthew was a tax collector. Uh, He was a bad guy. And Jesus said, hey, come follow me. So Matthew did. So then Matthew does what anybody does when he gets excited. He throws a party. He invites all his friends to come to the party. And Jesus shows up at the party with his friends. So you've got these two groups. You've got 
these tax collectors and sinners over here. You got Jesus as his disciples. And Jesus does what? He mingles. He goes in and starts showing them that he loves them, that he cares about them. And in Matthew chapter 9, verse 10, it says, Later Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. I love that. When the Pharisees, the religious leaders, saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? Why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he says, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. So the whole point of Jesus doing this is he's saying, these people need grace. You have grace. You need to go and what? Share that grace with others. Now, am I saying go out and hang out in a bar? Absolutely not. But I am saying go find sinners and tell them that Jesus loves them. That's why we're sending out invitations for Easter. That's why we're doing this Biker Sunday. It's not just because we want to bring motorcycles into the church. It is fun. But we want to tell them that Jesus loves them because they're an overlooked group. Why do we go into the schools and do Bible studies? Why does a good news club go? Because we want to show grace. Why do we invite our friends to come to church or to Bible study or to men's encounter or to any of these things? To youth, to kids. Because we want to show grace to those that need it. Jesus loves sinners. The church isn't about us coming together and just having a good time. We're here to learn how to go out and share grace with others. So how do we apply this? Well, first, if we haven't received that grace, we need to receive it ourselves. But secondly, we need to go find people, even people that we feel don't deserve grace. So who is that in your world? Who is God prodding you right now about what name or what picture, what face is coming into your mind? Who do you have in your life that you feel doesn't deserve grace? Because those are the people Jesus wants us to go to. You know, it's easy to go and to talk with people that are good people, even though they don't know Jesus. But those ones who are rough, who irritate us, who rub us the wrong way, who use language that make us cover our kids' ears, you know, those... Those are the people that need grace. Those are the people that we need to go to. And then we need to say, Lord, help me see people the way you do. That's the prayer we need to pray every day. God, let me see those people that need grace. Let me see the people that that I need to share your love with. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. We're going to take a few minutes to pray this morning. We're going to pray about God's grace. So if you're physically able, would you stand this morning? So Lord, we just come this morning and we thank you so much for the grace that you've shown each and every one of us. Lord, we know that none of us in this room ever deserve grace because your word says that everyone has sinned and fallen short. Everyone. But thank you that you show us grace that we don't deserve. And Lord, we just hope you, we pray you would help us to share that grace with people in our lives. And so Lord, we just pray that you would bring to mind people that need your grace. Lord, would you bring faces and names into our minds? Lord, there may be some that we need to go and make amends with. Maybe we have a strained relationship with them and we need to talk to them. Lord, there are probably people that live next door to us, 
people that sit next to us at work, people that sit across the aisle from us in school, maybe people we share a locker with, but Lord, just people that we need to show grace to. And I pray that you would help us to do that. So all across this room, I just invite you to close your eyes for a moment. Just kind of shut yourselves in with the Lord and say, God, would you show me somebody? If you're here this morning, you say, you know, Pastor Rex, I've never received that grace. I've never asked the Lord to forgive my sins. I've never started that relationship, but I'd like to do that today. I'd like to take that first step. Would you just slip your hand up right where you're at? If you're here this morning, you say, you know, God is bringing people into my mind. I have someone that I really feel like I need to share with. Would you just slip your hand up? God is bringing people to mind. All right. We're going to pray for those. If you're here and you say, you know, I don't know anybody. (laughs) I'm going to pray that God will have somebody bump, not physically bump into you, but God will bring people into your path that need grace. So, Father, we just pray for all those who raise their hands, who have someone in mind. Lord, would you give us extra grace to share with them? Would you give us opportunities to share love with them? Would you give us boldness and grace to do it in a loving, kind, caring way to show them how much you care for them? Lord, let us never have hard hearts. We pray that you would change our hearts towards people that maybe we we maybe despise, maybe we don't like, maybe we don't feel deserve grace. Lord, for those who don't have someone in mind, would you bring someone to mind or would you bring someone into our path? that we can share you with.